Hey there, I'm Ryan. I've managed products at high growth companies like Weebly and Verb, and now I run my own startup, Sprig, an all-in-one research platform. In each episode of the People Driven Products podcast, our team talks with product managers, user researchers, and designers at some of the most successful customer-centric companies in the world to learn how they build products people want and love. Welcome, Luke. Thanks so much for joining us today. Could you start us off by sharing what led you to GitHub and what it's like working there? Ah, yeah. Um, thank you very much for having me. So my journey to GitHub, so I've been at GitHub for just over, well, I think last week even maybe it was my nine-year hubiversary, you call it. I sort of came into tech, a bit of a sort of strange, odd way, I guess maybe from sort of like creative arts background, studied film at university and did music and started building websites because I did music and, you know, like performing in bands and things like that. And that was like my sort of like trip into the web um, a long time ago when the web was very different, doing some sort of freelance uh, web design and, and building websites. And then I sort of very luckily managed to land a job with a, a Mac software company. And I was a real sort of super Mac fanboy back then at the time. And that was a really great experience. I got to wear lots of different hats and my role there was support and quality assurance. I didn't even really know what quality assurance even really meant when I had that job. And that was a thing that I sort of learned on the job and, and figured out for myself and learning more about engineering and how to build products and marketing. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. And that sort of led me somehow towards GitHub. Um, I remember, so, oh yes, as somebody that had worked at that company had, um, had, got, had moved over to GitHub and they sort of reached out to me and said, you know, like, would I be interested in doing support and quality assurance at GitHub? And to me, as like a person in the UK that you know, was working, you know, I'm from a town called Brighton, it's... Um, relatively small on the coast and going, I remember when I was talking to a GitHub initially, they sort of said they were going to fly me out to San Francisco for the interview. And I was just like, that is just insane. You know, it was so mind blowing to me as a, like a junior person and, but an amazing opportunity. I went out there and spoke to what was then the, spoke to the founding team and things went really well. And yeah, sort of one thing led to another. I started working and, uh, I sort of quickly moved off support, to be honest, and sort of like more towards the engineering team, I think, doing QA. And even at that point, you know, we sort of didn't have a product team, but sort of like being very interested in the product parts of GitHub. I guess having a customer support background as well, you know, like I sort of really loved talking to users. And that was something that I was lucky enough to sort of bring into the mix, working closely with the engineering team back in those early days. And then, yeah, my sort of career at GitHub, we just kind of picked up and picked up really. Like I, you know, that was around about like the 100 employee mark or something like that when I joined. And, you know, as the company just sort of scaled and scaled, started taking on more more responsibility, moved into people management and being a QA engineering manager. At this point, GitHub had sort of like had a bit of a, a more sort of nascent product. 
org. I think GitHub was it's fair to say, and probably not really even a sort of industry secret, really, that GitHub was sort of somewhat slow to have a dedicated product organization. I think for many reasons, because well, so GitHub is um, developer tools built by developers, <laughs> and it's very engineering led. So a lot of the actual product work and the things that product managers would traditionally do or those roles and those responsibilities they were often taken up by engineering team or engineering team members that showed an interest such as myself and so when there was a nascent product team started to emerge I, I sort of jumped at the opportunity I was really interested to to join it and I was lucky to get the opportunity to sort of move over to that yeah to the sort of like full I don't know how you describe it like one, one of the earlier versions of the product team I remember at the time having sort of like quite an enormous amount of response because there weren't many of us that having sort of like thinking like, wow, I'm like in charge of like an enormous slice of this product, you know, like, and had a lot of experience with customers and in product, but still feeling, yeah, quite, quite in over my head at that point. But um, I don't know, learned on the job pretty fast and it's, it's been really exciting ever since. Your interview process reminds me a lot of Weebly because we did a trial week for everyone who joined. I think the first 100 employees who joined and we'd fly in people for two days, three days, sometimes five days, you know, from all over, from Canada, from the East Coast, a few folks, I believe, internationally. Um, and so I think it's what's so important, though, to build that early team and really make sure that you're adding the right folks. And so I think, you know, a lot of the companies that you know, went to those extra lengths in the early days, often saw that pay off later down the road just by bringing in the right early folks. And here you are, you said nine years later, is yeah, that right? Years, still at yeah. GitHub. So when yeah. you joined GitHub, how old was the company? So that was 2012. The company started in 2008. So yeah, so that it was four years old, but I think only about the 2011 mark, they really started to move a lot quicker, right? I remember my hire week, my onboarding week, there were six of us that started in that like, onboarding class. You know, I remember it being like a really big, it was like a really big deal at GitHub that there were six of us starting on the same day. And, and then it sort of makes me chuckle because last week or a couple of weeks ago at, at GitHub now, I think we had an onboarding class of 60 people, six zero, right? Having seen that growth, it's, yeah, it's just really interesting to me and how, you know, I was very lucky to be in there early and, you know, that the founders took a sort of chance having me come as a strange English man coming out and spending all day chatting to them. But, um, you know, nine years of GitHub and, you know, like there's not much of the product like I don't know, right? And, and I'm very lucky. I think my tenure, you know, sort of covers up a lot of my ills sometimes where, you know, just having been in amongst the product for so long and talking to users and customers for so long has just been great for me. Yeah. And what a journey. I mean, GitHub's done so well, you know, over the past nine years. So it must have been fun to be along for the ride and the acquisition. And fast forward to today, what product area do you own at GitHub? Yeah. So I work under a department called Communities and the Communities Department's remit is to focus more on our open source customers, our maintainers and contributors and people working in and around open source, as well as the wider, the wider community that's um, related to that. And I wouldn't say that was opposed to enterprise per se, but it's definitely more of a focus on community building, 
in and around the sort of open source space. So that's the sort of department I work within. And then in terms of the products, because of that, I'm you know, like pretty focused on open source and bringing communities to GitHub and helping make those communities sustainable and pleasant places to be. So whatever part of the products, you know, sort of that is at this any one time, really. So recently I was working on a product called Issue Forms, which is, so we have our issues, our bug tracker, but this part of the, and when you, if you're a user who comes to an open source repository and you want to, you know, file a bug or an issue on something that you found, the maintainers of that repository, they can set up templates to sort of like help guide the experience um, for contributors to their open source repositories. But that experience had sort of been somewhat lacking for a while and it was very hard for that to be structured and to help guide contributors better. And so we built this sort of this feature where the maintainers can now kind of like set up like sort of structured like form templates to sort of help guide their um, community a lot better. Um, so that's something I worked on recently. And then also now I'm working on what we call the feed at GitHub. So when you come to the GitHub homepage, you see a sort of activity feed of like what's going on. And over the coming month, we really want to sort of invest in that a lot more and make it more of a place for, for communities and for bringing people together and for celebrating and encouraging all the great work that's going on in GitHub and in the sort of creator space. And that's really exciting. And I know the community has been so integral to GitHub's growth, you know, even since the very beginning. And so it's always great as a product manager to have those projects that are, you know, really key to the company's success. And when I was doing my research, I saw a tweet from 2018 that really was in, you know, what my understanding is the kickoff or very early into the initiative for GitHub paper cuts. I'd love to hear the story behind that tweet. And then we can dig into, you know, how you're able to really action on some of the people powered insights that you're able to gather from really leveraging the community and getting the GitHub community involved. Yeah, so I had joined that like a sort of nascent, like earlier product team, and I'd been a product manager for six months or so or something like that. And I think a virtue of my tenure, basically, was knowing GitHub really well, knowing where a lot of the bodies you know, are buried or like a lot of the pain points for a lot of users were, knowing where users were talking about issues they were having with GitHub, like outside of, you know, sending in a support ticket, right? Like actual, you know, um, sort of like um, organic third party forums, for want of a better phrase. So I think I was quite acutely aware of those spaces and those channels. And yeah, I guess some of like the feeling in the community towards GitHub and user experience. So I became involved in a, a sort of initiative called paper well at this time it wasn't called paper cuts and if we just didn't have a name for it at the time but you know like this idea of why it became paper cuts like what are some of these like niggly annoying you know like things that trip you up or that make the overall experience sort of degrade the overall experience of github but are actually sort of kind of hard at a macro level for the company to prioritize and say yes we're going to fix this thing and so the initiative was sort of based around like, let's go into the community, let's talk to people, let's find out, you know, what a lot of these pain points are. 
and let's build a heuristic for you know how we're going to prioritize that work and then dedicate um, some engineering resources to to sort of smashing out a bunch of things and i think we shipped it during the course of that initiative i think we shipped like well over 100 ships basically in some you know like over the course of four months or something ridiculous i remember totting up and just being like you know, because I had to write change logs for every single one of these things and just being like, I'm like, I think at one point I was like, yeah, just like I am writing a lot of change logs here. You know, like there were a lot of things going out. So the tweet came about because we'd sort of, you know, had this discussion, you know, at the sort of leadership level about doing this initiative. And, you know, I was going to lead it. And I was on a, a business trip in Raleigh in North Carolina, um, seeing a customer and um, talking to a very large customer about something entirely unrelated just before. And I was due to come back to the UK, fly back into London. And just before I got on the plane, I was like, yeah, like, I wonder, you know, like at that time, I was like, yeah, I don't have many followers. I'll, I'm doing this thing. I might just post out some innocuous tweet about, you know, like what, what things are annoying you, you know, like, let, let me know. And, and, you know, just to kind of, it was pretty sort of throwaway really. So I tweet it out, get on this plane, on this plane for, you know, 10 hours or whatever it is. I get off the plane and look at my phone. I'm like, oh no, what has happened? Like, you know, like, am I, you know, I think my first thought was like, you know, I've got so many pings, like not just from Twitter, right? Like not just at replies or like retweet notifications or whatever, but like just, you know, like DMs from people, you know, like in Slack or text or whatever. I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh, what have I done wrong? Basically, you know, I get on this plane, like, oh no, did I mess up with that customer or something or you know what's happened and then it sort of dawns on me i start looking at things i'm like oh right like this tweet is like you know some people with a lot more followers than me have retweeted this thing and it's sort of picked up a lot of sort of steam and yeah and so i had you know like countless out replies and it just sort of you know there was almost like the unintentional you know if the community didn't know that the paper cuts initially you know, even then it still just didn't it just still didn't have the name but even if people didn't know this initiative was happening like they definitely knew like then basically and you know like i just sort of unintentionally it reminded me of being a support engineer again, to be honest. And and I, I love that about it, right? Like being able to just like, at some point between being, you know, working as a support engineer and being, you know, going through QA and being, you know, being an engineering manager and being a product manager, like I had, you know, I wasn't talking to customers all the time, right? All the time, right? And so it was really nice. I sort of got back to this point where I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, like I don't have time, you know, there's, there wasn't, at that point, you know, I couldn't respond to everybody. And um, so I was just sort of trying to do what I could, but it was really fun, you know, like just and the community is just so nice and they just helped me, they pointed me in the direction to find out more feedback and more information about things I could learn about and just kicked it off brilliantly. Awesome. And to play it back, so July 26, 2018, you tweeted out, I'm a product, I'm product managing a team that makes a lot of small, rad, quick UX wins across GitHub and it's amazing. Let me know if you've got any little UX nits on the site that I should look into. And I'm looking at the tweet and you had over 400 responses, over 225 retweets. It looks like over 600 likes. And it sounds like this tweet went viral and you said the DMs potentially, you know, hundreds of DMs in your inbox. Yes. And so just this overwhelming community support. And how did you really think through all this really qualitative data that you gathered from the community? What was the next step to really actioning and taking this forward? 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I had to do is just get myself in order, right? Because like it, there's too much good stuff, you know, to lose it. So you know, like some of it was, you know, tooling, right? With with just with a spreadsheet. Because I'm like, I look at this and like, well, you know, Twitter is not a good medium for this, really, right? You know, like I've got like all these out replies, and then you know, like some of those, you know, how it works on Twitter, and somebody else attaches themselves to that reply, and then you know, you're like, okay, which thread am I following now? And then you know, D, like Twitter DMs. So there's no like, you know, like, really like mark them as done or anything, right? So yeah, I just I had basically, I think maybe at that point, because I think I said I'd been a product manager for six months or something at that point. I think maybe that was when I was like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely a product manager now because I'm just like spreadsheeting, like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like. It just hits you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just Day like, one. The love of the spreadsheets. Like, you know, it's a product manager. Welcome to when- the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's like somebody who uses spreadsheets a lot, but there's not even numbers in those spreadsheets, right? It's just words. And so I, um, yeah, I mean, just trying to like sort of getting organized, following the threads. I think at that point, I sort of like had this idea that like what we have in regards to public feedback on GitHub is like different channels, official and or unofficial. And a lot of these unofficial ones being GitHub repositories themselves. So at the time, there was a you know, like a really popular repository called Isaacs. It's like Isaacs is a GitHub user, actually now a GitHub employee, who created a, a public repository where they were collecting, you know, feedback and commentary on the product. And, you know, so like I would notice that a lot of these tweets point to those like open issues about things that people were really sort of frustrated about and yeah just sort of like trying to like start threading the needle and like figuring out you know like what are the some of the big themes honestly like it feels sometimes it's a little bit like sacrilegious or or you know like i'm not being a real product manager when i say this but because as product managers we're you know so we're told you know like always thinking about the why right always thinking about the why what do people really want what are the problems don't concentrate so much on the how and you know and the actual what it is right but actually, like sometimes with some of that stuff, it was like, no, this is just an extremely good suggestion for a thing we just need to do. I think some of the hunger was so big for some of these things to be done because they're just so like glaringly obvious. So you didn't need to like go and you didn't need to spend a lot of time digging sort of backwards, trying to figure out like what the users were asking for and what their motivations were, because they're just so clear. And so I think there was a, there was some of that was mixed in there too, right? Like just trying to figure out like what what are things that we can just like we can just action now, right? And we just do this. You know, one of the earlier ships was like if you look at a diff on GitHub, you've got the lines that are removed. They have like a little minus next to them, and lines that are added have a little plus next to them, right? And it's like oftentimes you need to copy and paste from those diffs. And when you do, like we shouldn't just be don't need to include those the pluses and minus and so you know these things like that were just like that's like we can just you know basically a bit of javascript like let's just do this and then there were other things where like i had sort of like had to try and figure out like hang on like what is this person really asking for and because it's just a bit of twitter feedback or it's a thread you know where like we've because it's you know collected through a third party and we've had no actual conversation with this person or these people like there is work to be done to actually like ask follow-up questions, right? To try and figure out, you know, like, what's really going on here? Like what's really the problem or the frustration, you know, like <laughs> yeah, being a real product manager basically, right? And finding out the why and putting aside like what the solution might be. 
Yeah. So in that case, how did you dig in? So maybe someone lobs over a feature request or they, you know, share something where you know there might be a little bit more there, maybe a different way to solve it. How did you approach that? Yeah, I think at the time I almost felt like I was being naughty or something, but I would just go in those third party places and just be like, hi, you know, like, I'm, hi, I'm Luke, I'm from GitHub. You know, like, can I ask you a bunch more questions, please? Um, either here in this thread and we can just discuss or you know, here's a calendar invite, you know, like here's, here's, um, or if you're keen to do it, we can schedule some time and we can just chat, you know, like uh, scheduling user interviews. So I did a whole bunch of those. More often than not, it was just like just getting myself in there in those communities and just asking questions because A, people are very polite and lovely and they want to talk and they want these things resolved, right? Like they, maybe they came with a solution and they're not thinking about necessarily what their motivations are for asking for that because they're sort of, you know, like maybe just focus on the solution, but they're not going to be frustrated or annoyed if you start asking them some sort of probing questions, you know, and it just always worked really well. Yeah. Really dig in, make sure you understand, you know, the goal, the jobs to be done here and see what's exactly. working or not working. And so you had this tweet and went viral, overwhelming response. How long did paper cuts last as a project? And how did you keep the users involved throughout that development through the end? So it lasted, I think, something like three or four months. And that was essentially about resourcing, basically, you know, because the engineering team which we had for paper cuts were sort of grabbed from other teams that had did have other big picture, you know, bigger initiatives that they sort of needed to go back to or they're working. And so we sort of knew that it wasn't going to be forever and that, you know, we sort of like it was a sort of somewhat time box initiative. We, what's really nice is though that it sort of like had this legacy where like even now at GitHub, we use the word paper cuts to describe things like that. We sort of had a heuristic for what it meant to work on something that was a paper cut, right? So like, we I think we had like this sort of ordered list of, you know, like if it's, I remember if one that I definitely learned a lesson about, which is, you know, like if it, if it doesn't touch information architecture, right? Like that's a good candidate, right? Like things like that, where, yeah, this is sort of this like list to sort of help guide you through what you wanted or a list or framework for like how you wanted to decide on those things. And I think we sort of took that forward in a GitHub, like a cross engineering of products, I think was really cool. The okay. next question I have is really thinking through, I'd love to hear perspective here because as product managers, we all know about paper cuts in our own product. And, you know, it sounds like your team spent four months, you know, five months on this paper cuts initiative. It's now ongoing and, you know, there, there's some prioritization as you go, but how do you recommend product managers think around prioritizing these smaller wins that, you know, maybe bog down users on a daily basis versus these larger, more strategic projects, like you mentioned that the team had to go back on and, and think about, you know, prioritizing those two and when it makes sense, maybe to work on those larger projects or when does it make sense to really work on those smaller paper cuts? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that it's really hard to work on these things in honesty, because as a not even as product managers but as businesses right like with strategic goals you are inclined to think towards you know your vision and the big things that you need to do and so when something doesn't necessarily fit in with that you know big vision over so, you know so many quarters or you know 
some sort of strategic business decision over some larger period of time, it's very hard to make the case for these smaller things that just don't, you know, sometimes you can try and shoehorn them in as part of the bigger thing, but, you know, more often than not, you can't. So I think that going out of the paper cuts initiative, I think there is sort of like two ways you can prioritize those things. You can either do it as like a sort of standalone initiative like we did, where you you sort of like dedicate, build an engineering team that are going to focus on this and you dedicate a specific amount of time. But I think, or or it's something which you try to build into the sort of muscle of the organization. And it's something which the organization, the whole company is sort of cognizant of. And it's something that maybe you know, you could perhaps have quarterly OKRs where the team has decided they're going to, you know, they're working on, I don't know, let's say like one or two larger features or some or initiatives. And, but then they still make time for, you know, part of the OKRs could be, you know, smash out 10 paper cuts in this area or whatever. Right. And I think that's a way to bring it to help those teams find time for them. Right. And, but I think if you're going to do it as a standalone thing, like like we did, and actually, to be honest, at GitHub, there is a very, right now, at GitHub, there is a similar initiative. Uh, there's another team that are doing something very similar to, to slightly different to paper cuts, but it's quite similar where it's sort of like dedicated team that are like focusing on some, you know, lots of smaller things across a larger area. I think when you do a large initiative like that, it's part of the way you decide the priorities. It has to be community focused because, because otherwise you're going to get lost you're just going to start basically being like this thing annoys me that thing you know like we should probably just sort of fall apart you're just like things that are just sort of like small or niggly that are annoying you're just like you know you won't be able to like rank that against like how important that actually is to the community you just be like you know you might just, yeah you might kind of get like tunnel vision and be like this sort of annoys me so like let's make sure we fix it but that's not the approach you should be taking you should be making sure that it's going to bring you know, like a sort of positive feedback loop with the community. I mean, it's all like, it's almost, a, it's almost like a public relations exercise to be honest, right? You know, like it is really good for having the community love you and, and feel listened to, right? I think that, and I think that's really important, you know, as businesses, companies, I think they don't do enough of that. Like actually sort of like saying to the wider community, like we are listening, we care and we want to make things better for you, right? And because like the community, they're not like part of your big, business brain strategy right like they don't like know and perhaps they shouldn't you know in many times they shouldn't even care like what this you know like the big vision and strategy for the company is they want to you know get the best experience right now they live in the, in the present so yeah i think that i think that just that affects the priority a lot like what is it that the community is looking for and what's gonna send you a lot of sparkles really and make people really happy yeah love that and in terms of getting executive buy-in I'm curious if you have any recommendations because maybe there's initiatives that you know don't move metrics or drive revenue, but to your point, they do really drive word of mouth and really that user happiness. And so what's one piece of advice you might have for folks listening who also maybe see an appetite and interest in a similar initiative, but maybe need to make that pitch you know, upwards to really get that buying in those resources? Yeah. So I think to my previous point about the sort of two ways you could do it, one is a sort of big standalone initiative and one is, you know, like trying to integrate it into individual teams or maybe as part of their OKRs. I think the latter, if you're trying to do that and integrate it into part of the team and part of the OKRs, I think that would probably be really hard 
to get leadership buy-in unless you would maybe even had some sort of proof of concept like we did with just doing paper cuts in the first place right where we sort of proved the success and and so like github sort of organizationally knows you know it's built that muscle and it knows that it's worth it but i think it's as a you know, sort of more like standalone initiative i think you can get that buy-in again by conveying to the leadership team just how good it will be for your community i think as long as it's part of a community initiative as long as it's as long as the users are involved, like they're brought with you on that journey, you discuss it, you have these conversations in open as much as you can, so they can be tweeted, referenced, and you do blog posts. Yeah, I think it needs to be something that happens like where your wider product community like feels like some sort of ownership to this, right? And then you can take that to the leadership team and you can say, look what good PR this is for us, right? Like it's really good PR, you know, like no, no member of LT doesn't want to hear good PR, right? And I think you can kind of angle it that way. Awesome. Well, some great advice there for anyone else who's interested in really that user love and making sure that those little smaller paper cuts are addressed. And last question here, wrapping up, what's your top piece of advice for other product managers who want to create products people love? Yeah. So I think I'm extremely biased here, you know, being at GitHub and having worked with communities a lot of the time and working with open source um, communities, maintainers, contributors, I think a top tip from me would be you know, sort of do get yourself involved in the community, listening to what people are saying across all these different channels, and also like figure out how whatever it is that the product, the value the product provides to users, be it something which is really in the enterprise space, or be it maybe something that's extremely, you know, like something with like a freemium model or something that's really, um, you know, consumer orientated, like whatever it is and like whatever the sort of like, you know, like core value proposition is and the sort of like uh, special source, I think you want to really figure out what that is and bring the community along with you on that. So, you know, like acknowledge that openly. So, so I think we've done that at GitHub where we sort of acknowledge that, yes, we are a product for, you know, you, we have enterprise version and you can purchase um, seats for GitHub Enterprise, you know, and that's how we make our revenue. But at the same time, you know, we know that part of our special source is appealing to uh, open source developers and the wider developer community. And I think product managers, you need to kind of like figure out what is that impact you're having and then how do you just sort of involve that wider community in that? So trying to think of an analogous, you know, like whenever I try and think of software products that are not ones that I've worked on, I always try, I, for some reason, my mind goes to, you know, the like pregnancy app or something like that, right? Because like, that's not me, right? Like I can't become pregnant. And, you know, it's a product that I would have to sort of build empathy for, you know, try and, and talk to a lot of users. And I think that, in this hypothetical situation that I've created, if that product knows, you know, you know, they're providing a lot of value for pregnant women and whatever it is that the product does, like, I think they need to like take that, focus on it, but like also really make sure that they are talking, you know, like outwardly to their users about what they do is special, why what they do has, you know, like a lot of value. And I think that just like prompts you as a product manager to think about 
all these questions, all these like different avenues and all these different things you can think about, like how you're going to, the thing that you're selling, the vision you have and tying that to the actual person that is going to use that thing. It's like a community plus what are you building? Yeah. Really aligning. Yeah. What the users want, pulling that community in, making sure it's aligned with your vision. It sounds like as a business and making sure we're all going the same direction. That's the role of the product manager to keep all of us aligned. Yes. You said that so much better than I have. All, all <laughs> going in the same direction, I think is, yeah, yes. that's those sort of things. Yeah. Awesome, Luke. Really enjoyed today's episode and getting to learn a little bit more about the product development process at GitHub as one of the earliest individuals here, nine years. I know it's been quite the ride for you. And thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And it was wonderful having you on the show today. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of People Driven Products. If you'd like to request a guest for a future episode, go ahead and email marketing at sprig.com. If you want a platform that can help you make customer-informed product decisions in real time, be sure to check out sprig.com. Let's face it, most product managers and designers don't conduct user research as much as they would like to because the process of pulling lists, sending email surveys, and finding interview participants is slow and time-consuming. And at larger companies with in-house user research teams, researchers are often rushed through projects to meet aggressive deadlines or product teams forego research from the research team because there's not enough time for it. That's why I started Sprig to help product and research teams learn from their customers at the speed of modern product development with asynchronous video interviews, concept testing, and microsurveys. Sprig is used by over 600 startups, hyper-growth companies, and enterprise product teams like Dropbox, Adobe, Loom, and Square. Try it free or learn more at sprig.com.